Hi everyone and welcome to episode 5 of Stories from House Arrest. Um, cannot believe it's already been 5 weeks since we started this journey and it's been so rewarding. Um, it's been honestly amazing just hearing all the different stories and even coming back to them as I'm editing the episodes and just being able to reflect on on the, the great moments. Big thank you to everybody who's been tuning in. Every week, you know, our listenership is going up and up. So that's amazing. Um, you know, if you're coming on to, you know, obviously hear an artist that you like story, you know, keep listening to the other stories too, because as you'll find, everyone's stories are so unique, so different. You know, people have come through some really heavy times and I think having the opportunity to, to hear them out and hear their stories is, is so powerful. Um, I think it's a medium that needs to be explored more and I'm so glad to be able to be a part of that um, and help these artists tell a little bit about themselves and, and their journeys. Um, and I think as well, um, doing the videos um, that we've been posting as well each week um, has been particularly great because as you can imagine, coming out of the podcast and hitting record on a video straight away basically means that the culminating of all the emotions that we've been talking about go into song and it's so amazing and powerful. Um, I'm so grateful to be in a position where I can, you know, give these artists the platform because as you can see, they, they deserve it. It's just amazing. Um, speaking of amazing stories and journeys, um, today's guest is Capo, so Liam. Liam has got such a different story as, again, to the other artists. You know, he's come from, you know, all the way from Denver, America to Australia and his journey through music and and influences and what made him sort of go from oh, a hobbyist to you know I'm going to give this a go is, is really unique and it's really cool to hear um you know Liam's you know he's overcome some stuff he's his journey is is no different to anybody else's and it's full of trials and tribulations so please you know sit back relax enjoy his story because you know it, it's worth hearing so without further ado I present Liam Capo Liam, how are you? <laughs> I'm very good, Jordan. How are you? Oh, mate, I'm good. Awesome. More, Thanks so much for having me. Oh, mate, my pleasure. Um, more importantly, how was 2020? How did you go last year? Um, I mean, it's an interesting year. A lot of time alone at home with family. Uh, I think everyone had that, which is, you know, it's nice. It was good in a lot of ways to uh, have that extra time. And then also... Uh, People get on each other's nerves after enough time, and it, it comes with its challenges. Um, but I guess from a like a music career standpoint, yeah, not not great. Uh, pretty tough to have all the live shows cancelled. Um, but you know, I was lucky enough that I uh, record at home. I have equipment, so I could sort of bunker down and just keep working and keep making music and exploring ideas. So. I, yeah, I was I was lucky to have that. I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity. We're much worse off. So, mm. yeah. But um, so yeah, ups and downs. I guess I think um, it's easy to look at it and and just sort of write it off like twenty twenty is the worst year ever. Blah, 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 blah. Mm, yeah. But I also think like you sort of got to see Australia like is just doing so well. We mm. are such like we've just come out the other side. Well, still in mm. a bit but we're coming to the close and we've yeah. we've fared really well compared to other countries like we see what's happening in india at the moment like yeah it's just like so you know i think we're lucky to be here 
Yeah, um, definitely. I think we've had a good response. Our government has had a good outlook, and mm. yeah, I think it's been a uh, so yeah, ups and downs. Yeah, did um did the period affect your songwriting? Like um like did you find lyrically? or even musically, that, that the period of lockdown, did that influence what you were writing about? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a lot of the stuff um, that I was working on, a bit, bit more introspective in a lot of ways, I think. Um, but, yeah, uh, maybe a bit. I don't know. It's, it sort of depends. Some, some songs were more just traditional, conventional, the stuff that I was sort of typically doing and then others were way more sort of introspective and maybe abstract but Mm. yeah 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 i feel like you need at least one song to vent about what's going on and and like your own experience and even if it's yeah as you said like really introspective and or even really metaphorical and Mm. just not relevant but relevant to you then yeah it's just good to get it out out off your chest right yeah definitely yeah So obviously you um you know you do like cover gigs for a living. What what was that like like having that taken away? Like did you did did it change your mindset in terms of what do you wanted to do this year or or was it still sort of just waited out or? Um, I mean it it definitely. Uh, yeah, it, it made you re made me reevaluate. Um, you know how that experience how that process made me feel and because mm. I was just sort of doing it and just keep doing it and doing it and mm. like I, I wasn't really I didn't really ever stop to think like oh is this actually something that I want to do mm. um and yeah I still enjoy it but I think there's always uh there's sometimes sometimes when it can sort of just feel like it, it's a bit much and it's a lot mm. of effort for and people aren't responding in the same way and you know then that they would to maybe your music at your own show for instance yeah i I feel like i sort of just got off track from what your original question was the the questions they're they're just all about the segue you know yeah yeah right (laughs) yeah it's funny you should ask that well here's what i think about this subject (laughs) yeah nah it's good man because i definitely like when we so for those who who don't know, so uh, Liam and I played a, a gig together recently. It was your launch, yeah. um, and it was um, and a fantastic night. It was um, so much fun. Yeah, thank you yeah. for coming on again. No, it was great. I loved your set. Um, no, I loved yours too. And well, I was really I was blown away with because you know we've had conversations uh, obviously off off the podcast mic <laughs> about looping and how how challenging it can be and. Man, you you pulled off the looping so well and so seamlessly. Oh, thank you, um, thank you. I was stressed out about that. Yeah, <laughs> mate, it was it was fantastic. And I'm I'm probably a tougher critic on looping than most because I had like one bad experience watching an artist, and uh, mm. ever since then I've been very skeptical. Mm. But man, when you know how to loop, you it's just fantastic. And yeah, you clearly nailed it. Oh, um, thank you so much. What made you want to go down the path of looping? Like, where did that all come from? Well, I mean, I, so I guess we'll sort of take two steps back to answer that question. Yeah. And this will be good because it's a bit of a backstory on sort of how I got started in music as well. Perfect. Um, so I, for, I didn't sing originally, I just played guitar. And I started doing guitar covers, uh, working with a producer friend of mine who was using Ableton. Mm-hmm. 
And as soon as I saw like Ableton, how capable it was, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like I can make drum sounds. I can like, and, and everything I made was shit, but it didn't matter. <laughs> it's like, it was so cool. I was like, wow, there's so much possibility here. And, you know, Ableton's called like Ableton Live. Mm. Um, the company is Ableton. The software is actually called Live mm. and it's designed for live performance. So mm. I started performing with Ableton and making up like sections, backing tracks with drums and chords. Mm. And I sort of just went deep down this rabbit hole with Ableton, <laughs> like bought a MIDI foot controller, like a something that looks like a looper, but has sends messages to my computer. Oh, sick. Yeah, I had to learn, like I learned this Ableton scripting language by some random like studio in like that, that was, I don't even know. It was designed mm. in like the Netherlands or something, some rent isotonic studios or something. Mm. They developed this like third party scripting. I, I just went so deep because <laughs> like I, I used to study IT, so mm. I was always sort of cluey on the tech side of things. Mm. And by the end of it, it just got so complicated and so convoluted. That, like I played one show with my, you know, dream in a, in um inverted commas setup, <laughs> which was like my laptop. Ableton push another control surface my MIDI foot controller like just so much equipment I had this list checklist to make sure I didn't forget anything going to the venue and it just went to shit like it just (laughs) the performance was terrible and I just seriously I just looked at it and I thought this is uh this is just like a waste of time and the, the end result for the audience as well is like you know looking at someone pressing buttons and for all they know a button is is playing a track in itunes like they don't know what's going on like yeah. i know behind the scenes all this all this technical stuff is happening yeah. but like it doesn't matter like people love to see like a looping thing because they see each element being added yeah and they can just connect with the performance much more mm. so when I, it was pretty much after that where I was like, oh, I thought this would be so cool and I would mm. be doing like a million different things at once. And it stressed me out from a performance perspective and was unengaging from an audience yeah. perspective. So after that, I was it, it was pretty obvious that there was just, I needed something else. And I saw, I've seen a lot of amazing loop artists mm. locally and, and, you know, down in Byron Bay and stuff. And like, it, it really just, just, sort of resonated I was like this is, just looks cool yeah. I should just give this a crack yeah and you never looked back it worked so well yeah thank you yeah um, I'm sort of wondering now if there's a way to combine some more of that electronic sample mm. stuff with the looping but yeah it, it's definitely just much more free and so much more creative I think yeah for sure and uh, I suppose like even like connecting to what you just said about adding more electronic elements how how do you approach writing with a loop setup? Like starting fresh. Um, I mean, I haven't actually written anything using the looper as like a mm. writing tool. To be honest, I usually have the song fully complete and then we'll sort of adapt it. Oh, and a lot cool. of songs that I've already done, um, yeah, it 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 depends on the structure of the song as mm. well. Like if you have and like the chord progression, like quite often, and I don't know if you might've noticed this at the show, but I like just start with the chorus mm. um, and then build up the chorus and then take everything out and then go into the verse and then it comes back for the chorus. Yeah. That's pretty often 
what's going on. Um, mm. But if it's a song that has like a, if it's like a continuous chord progression for the mm. whole song, then that's a lot more open in terms yeah. of what you can do. But quite often, like, because I just have a two track mm. looper, I, quite often I'm just doing like percussion on yeah. the second track so I can keep it going during the verse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's really depends on the mm. song, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it looks so technical. I, I tried looping once, just um, I got my partner a looper um, for a birthday or Christmas or something. She was like, oh, it's really hard. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a go. I was like, no, nah, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you've either got to really want to do it or you avoid it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not easy. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think, and then I think that's something as well. Some people look at it and either think it's really easy or it's really hard and it's probably the truth is in the middle somewhere, right? You've just got to practice like anything mm. and you you just got to be good at timing. I think that would be the, the most important part, right? Yeah, yeah, the timing definitely. Yeah. Um, it's funny I, because I had a RC300, which is a three-track looper, mm. for years and I it was a similar sort of thing. I got it and I thought I would use it and I just didn't. And when I eventually sold it and redesigned my sort of pedal board... Mm. And I got a two-track looper. It was so much smaller. Well, not, like, physically smaller, mm. but also two tracks instead of three. Yeah. It was almost... It was funny, because that limitation, um, in a way, forced me, how do I think about how to lay out the songs? How do I mm. use what's there to actually deliver a, a song? Yeah. Compared to... Like, it, now, I guess, having a little bit of experience with it, I still... I look at other people do it, and I'm like, wow, I've light years to go. Like, I'm very much still new to the, mm. to, to doing it. Um, but, yeah, like, having to force to think about just two tracks. Mm. Like, now, maybe I think, oh, I, I could see what I would do with a third track. Yeah. But at the time, when you just have three and you don't really know how to do it, like, it was yeah. almost, like, just, just too much, and, and it would just get complicated fast, and I would just never... Mm. It, it's a bit of a learning curve at the start as well. You got to stick with it for a bit and just get used to trying it, and then screwing it up and just doing it again yeah. and again and again, and then eventually you get it and it feels really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess the the challenge with it would be um, if you had three tracks, then all of a sudden it's probably more opportunity to go to do too much as mm. well, right? Yeah, definitely. I imagine that would be the hardest part, like doing the build-up and taking too long with the build-up and yeah. losing, losing the crowd a bit if it's taking yeah. too long. That's always a big question as well, is is the build-up and trying to, to keep it tight and mm. concise. And yeah. I've, yeah, I've watched a lot of tutorials and stuff and people talking about doing two things at once to try and speed it up and just cut it down because, mm. yeah, attention spans are... you got to get, get people engaged while you can. Yeah, yeah for sure. Now, this one, something I've been wanting to ask you for a while, so I figured what, we're better than on a podcast, right? Absolutely. So where did the name capo come from? Is it literally just as simple as the capo on the guitar? It or? is, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I wanted something, like, short and memorable. Um, and, yeah, I just thought oh, I'll take, like... I liked the idea of it as sort of... I, I never really used to use the guitar capo mm. that much except when I started singing because mm. I was adjusting songs to fit my vocal range so I, I liked it as a symbol for that for like sort of musical change and mm. like ca- like I started singing what should I call my singing thing oh like I, I, it sort of made yeah. sense at the time and it was short and I just spelt it different I liked the way it looked written down Yeah, and then it, I just didn't really overthink it I just thought yeah 
I like it. I'm yeah. just going to roll with it. And you spelled it the way it looks like it should be spelled as well. Like, you compare the way you spell capo and the actual, like, capo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours makes more sense. (laughs) Yeah, it sort of does, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Capo. A lot of people say capo. Yeah, capo. C-A-P-O. Capo. Put your capo on, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. I never thought about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, C-A-P-O just doesn't sound right. Whereas yours reads right, so, mate. It's an elaborate scheme to... uh, get my presence on google up yeah exactly <laughs> people are searching to buy a guitar caper and yeah. they find my music yeah google ads yeah number one <laughs> oh well, this is a capo shop oh what? it's it's my master plan yeah, yeah and no. just like cookie their data oh now you're gonna get marketed my stuff exactly <laughs> <Suckers>. exactly <laughs> you're um, on to me jordan <laughs> yeah okay, let's just uh, scrap that part from the podcast yeah, <laughs> I just have to delete it um one thing i was really curious to ask you as well um from like a cover musician perspective is uh obviously you do originals and covers do you do you find any challenges in going from cover doing mainly cover gigs to doing more original gigs like is there any challenges in the crossover or um are they purely exclusive like it's the same or yeah that's sort of an interesting question it's it's one that i've been asking myself recently as well because sometimes with cover gigs i'll play some of my own stuff like not very often mm. like only if usually i'm talking to someone and they like on my break and they're like oh and i'm telling them oh yeah i play my own original music as well mm. and they're like oh can i hear something like that's happened a few times but um yeah it's usually what, what was the question are you are there any challenges with yeah it? like i suppose um like is crossing over from doing predominantly cover gigs to moving on to more originals like are there any any challenges that really stand out like for instance um does the crowd who come to the shows are they more expecting covers or is there anything like or even vice versa like is there anything like that between the shows or oh right i see what you're saying yeah yeah um i mean i guess maybe just the there, there's a certain uh, safety that comes with playing covers where you know people know the songs and you know they're gonna like them yeah. so like I think there's a bit of a middle ground though where you can give people some stuff that they know and they want mm. and then play your own stuff and then yeah yeah a bit of both but I guess yeah they're just wondering okay I've been playing these songs you know by myself or like mm. two of my close friends and family who are always going to say they like them because they're incredibly biased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so I, I it, there's always just that thought of okay, how is this going to be received? Are people going to like these songs? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess the way I like to look at it is like I don't know. It is. It is what it is. It is what it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that saying is fantastic. I use it way too much, but um, yeah, no, I just yeah, I always thought it was. It must be like an interesting transition, and I think as you said, you, I think you know when you're playing your originals, regardless if you come from doing covers or anything, it's always you feel exposed because this is this is you on yeah. stage. It's not yeah, it's not old mate who you're covering. So mm. that, that would be mm. the real challenge. Um, no, it's really good to get your perspective on that. Um, speaking of um, like family and friends, um, like when you were growing up, did you grow up like playing music with your family and friends? Or are you from like a musical house? Or? Um, so dad 
used to be in a band. Oh yeah. When he was in university, like I think second, first or second year university, called Third Party. So dad like has always played guitar and um he was played guitar and was a backup singer. Um and we always used to like play their their songs and a lot of play always had a lot of music around the house. I grew up in in the US actually. Oh, in cool. Denver, Colorado. So John Denver was mm. a big one of the first like acoustic folk country singers and we would always have him playing in the house and dad would always you know pick up the guitar and like play along so that was always like a a memory for me but um yeah i mean we we've always had guitars and stuff and instruments and other bits of equipment dad got into some home recording Mm -hmm. when he was having a midlife crisis probably (laughs) i don't know um yeah well actually yeah he um Back in the day, we uh, we re- recorded a song, my brother and I, when we were like really young. Like I probably would have been like maybe five or six years old. Oh yeah. Called Thirty Foot Drop, which was weirdly like the the lyrics were Thirty Foot Drop. Oh yeah, I jump off a cliff and I feel the air in my hair. Just <laughs> weirdly morbid for for a kid to write. <laughs> but I don't even think we were thinking about that. But so dad like recorded this song and like made this backing track with like a drum beat with like a Cubase, a free trial of Cubase or something. Nice. So yeah, I mean, but like I barely remember that experience to be honest. Like, so wait, that's not the next single? Yeah, no, oh, I mean, 30 foot drop. Yeah, well, we might have to release it exclusively yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, podcast exclusive. Yeah. 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 Uh, so like, I mean, a bit of inv- involvement in music early on mm. um my brother played played guitar my brother's a drummer as well mm. but uh he moved to the coast and his drum kit's still at home so he, d- he doesn't really play that much anymore mm. um but yeah he, he used to play a bit of guitar as well dad did dad doing guitar lessons was how i got introduced to my guitar teacher because mm. it was my dad's guitar teacher Salvador, oh, cool. who's actually came to the gig oh, the other amazing. night which was crazy because i haven't seen him in like five years mm. oh, which wow. was like after the show dad was like there's someone here to see you and i was like what and it was Salvador, which is oh, like, well, yeah. who's this insane like classically trained spanish like the the nicest dude you'll ever meet like yeah. so humble but is crazy talented and a spiritual like just absolute kindest man yeah um and he was the first working with him and him teaching me guitar that was when i actually seriously started like getting into playing guitar and it yeah. was just guitar for a long time up until up until like sort of after university where i started like the whole capo thing pretty yeah because like at the start of that project that was when i started singing pretty much yeah, yeah. awesome man how long did you live in the states for um from when I was two till nine, so what's that, like yeah, most of my childhood. Yeah, yeah. all of my uh, well earliest like childhood childhood memories, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah moved back to the Gap, started going to the local Catholic primary school, mm-hmm. which was 
super weird like i'd never worn school uniforms and stuff before and i had a full-on american accent so yeah this little american kid going around hey guys what's up <laughs> oh you talk strange and it was <laughs> yeah, it was classic funny. australians yeah you talk strange mate <laughs> yeah i had all these weird like all these weird sayings like they called everything the wrong thing like oh that's like a rubbish bin i was like that's a trash can like what are you talking about yeah. oh that's a rubber oh that's an eraser like yeah. just so many weird like stop being so slack i'm yeah. like what <laughs> like what does that even mean yeah. like there was so many different things that just but you know obviously now i'm very much australian as well and i was yeah. born in australia originally. oh cool so but yeah um interesting times yeah nice nice so growing up and because obviously you played music from five basically um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a distortion Mate, there. You made but... your debut at five uh, for the record. Oh. So, when did you decide that you wanted to have like give music a real crack and pursue it as a career? Um, it was pretty much uh, first year university, so I would have been about eighteen, about to turn nineteen. And yeah, I just sort of got to the end of first year university, and. Uh, I sort of thought like, okay, I'm not really enjoying this. <laughs> uh, like I, we're, like my, um, always very like academically focused in in my house. So like high school, I was very focused on studying and stuff. And mm. um, I don't know. I sort of got to the end of the first year of that, and I was like, okay, well, no one's holding a gun to my head saying that I have to do this. Mm. Um, I'm not really enjoying it that much. I can't see myself being happy if I follow this through and go and work in a IT job like I just looked at it and I thought I'm gonna be miserable for the rest of my <laughs> life like I can't do this and yeah at the time I'd already started working with um, this producer friend of mine doing some instrumental stuff mm. and uh, like guitar sampling and we'd done some uh, like instrumental cover versions that was sort of the first thing I did mm. Um, and he was like so set on it he was like and he still is he was like yeah I'm gonna be like I'm gonna produce music I'm gonna, this is gonna be my career this is gonna be my life and I was like mm. wow that's like I never even thought of that <laughs> like I was yeah. just like I don't know I, and uh, and that sort of hit me like wow I can actually just do something that I want to do mm. um, and then yeah I don't know just sort of took a blind leap of faith into it started mm. we we decided like I talked to my parents, I'm like, I think I want to try and make music. And they were like, yeah, do it. And I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that response. Yeah, but like, amazing. Wow. Yeah, and so he, uh, we were like, okay, well, what do we do? Let's make an album. So I wrote a bunch of songs and then we whittled it down and went through this whole creative process of recording and just sitting there trying different ideas. Mm. And that was like, yeah, as I was saying earlier, my first exposure to Ableton and like, watching a song grow out of just a guitar idea and a vocal idea into like a, a fuller song like yeah. that just really like hit me like wow this is like so crazy like it, we'd would just be working on songs on the album for hours and it just wouldn't feel like work mm. you know it would just be fun it would just yeah. be like we were focused and we're like we're here to, we're doing work and mm. yeah it gets tiring obviously mm. you would know but yeah, and, and as soon as uh, I don't know that that saying, "Do something you love, and you won't work a day in your life." Yeah, like I remember always hearing that, 
and sort of thinking like, oh yeah, it's like kind of bullshit. <laughs> but like, <laughs> as soon as I, I don't know, I felt like that it just clicked. Like that sort of makes sense. Like I am enjoying this. You know, it's it's good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. I guess just from then on, making money out of it is <laughs> a different yeah, story. Yeah. But that, that, that old chestnut. <laughs> yeah. Minor minor consideration. Yeah. You know, in a career needing yeah. to make money. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Money in music is a funny thing. It's like you you go from you go from nothing to gains, and then it's just at another level. It's it's not linear mm. like a regular job. Or, yeah. Exactly. Or like yeah. a uni degree. It's an interesting career choice. I think the most important thing with music is is persistence and mm. development. Like you just got to keep trying to develop yourself. Um, Mainly on the business side. I mean, if you're a good songwriter, that can only get you so far. Mm. You've got to be, you got to be savvy, right? And mm. um, the only way you become that is is by learning and meeting people and experiencing and trialing and erroring. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. definitely. Yeah. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, I've got one more question for you, and it's a bit of a loaded one. All right. Uh, what is something or someone that you're grateful for? I am very grateful for um, my parents for always just supporting me and backing me, even like now that we're a few years down the road trying to figure things out and working at it. Um, I still feel like they have my back every part of the way. Um, so, yeah, so grateful for them. And in particular for mum, because it's Mother's Day tomorrow. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, both my parents and my family in general as well. Yeah, yeah, and all my friends, and well, everyone who well, support. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go on forever. Yeah. I just yeah, no, I, I need names. <laughs> I have a no. really, I have such a solid support network and so many people backing me, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know, and I think that's what's like a really important thing for. If anybody's listening who isn't a musician and wants to know how they can support their the musicians are like, just go to gigs, share their stuff because music is such a hard path. Um, there's very little money in it until you're successful, um, and the best wins you can have is the support of your friends and family and um, and fans who happen to find your music online. I think that's the best support we can have. And go to shows, go to shows and support your local artists because we, we damn well need it. <laughs> mm, yeah, Liam, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, but, yeah, it's been great.